defense doesn't just win championships. Sometimes it wins fantasy leagues. And their defensive line, especially the interior, is getting better. Digzua, Watkins, they can rotate guys in. So he isn't really a tackle-heavy guy at this point, but he's a top 15 linebacker to do those big plays over the past four weeks. This is the IDP Heat Seekers. Hello, everyone, and welcome back. This is Season 3, Episode 2 of IDP Heat Seekers, brought to you by rotoheat.com. I am Craig Reith, and with my co-host, Austin. Austin, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing really well. Came off of a, a weekend full of fun. I played 36 holes of golf on Sunday, so that was pretty intense. A uh, good weekend, though. Good good weather here where I am. Uh, how about yours? How, how's your week so far? I got a lot of uh, yard work done for my mother-in-law on Sunday, and I like getting out and burning brush and all that sort of fun stuff. So it was nice to get outside and actually be doing some of that. And then it started raining later that night. It continued just to have drizzly, wet stuff. But it isn't snow, so that's a positive uh, being up here in the land of the frozen tundra, as they say in Wisconsin. Nice. But yeah, we are back and uh, ready to go. Again, we're not digging completely into rookies here yet. You're going to get enough of that from us. Uh, but this week, we're going to be talking about IDP trade targets for Dynasty Leagues. Now, Dynasty, we know, operates a little bit different from Redraft and that, you know, they're looking to a longer future. And you're going to see that with a lot of these guys on this list. There's not a whole lot of short-term Dynasty buys that we have on here because we're looking for that two to three at least year window longer window maybe five years in dynasty even though it's hard to plan that far out and we kind of group some guys together to have some talking points about different players compared to each other this is a combined list from both of us you may be able to figure out who brought who or who didn't um but it, we got 20 guys here we'll get through them tonight and if you guys have any questions for us thanks for tuning in of course but put them in the chat and we will get to those we love it when you guys are watching with us or listening to her afterwards either way but we're going to get started off here with the Dallas Cowboy because tonight I'm running the show anyway, and he was one of the guys uh, that we both had some interest in here. Sam Williams, the second-year player out of Mississippi for the Dallas Cowboys. Like I said he's a defensive end, sort of outside linebacker, depending on the setup that they have here, but he played mainly D for them. And he played a decent amount of games. He had 15 of them out of the 17-game season. He didn't start at all. But Austin, what did you see out of him this year that made you feel like he's someone you have interest in investing in going forward? Well, uh, the main thing is, you know, just watching him, his play, you know, just evaluating him as, as a talent. And I saw the power right away. I saw the speed right away. Um, he really checked out as a prospect whenever he took the field. I mean, he is the type of player He's going to come at you with force. Um, reminds me a lot of the Micah Parsons style of play where, you know, he's just, he's nonstop and he's just hard to, to keep at bay. So um, I just had a lot of fun watching him play uh, some of the different things that he could do. The power, like I said, was just the thing that jumped off the most uh, for me, but you got to wonder, I mean, they got Dortz Armstrong, I think who's the starter. And then across from him, um, you know, they've got, uh, uh the marcus lawrence so i mean they've they've sort of got two guys uh one a solidified starter the other played well at times um it's going to be interesting to see how they split time this year at 
that other side. I kind of hope that Sam Williams will get a tick, but I think that it's one of those things where he's still a dynasty buy for me just on the fact that if I buy him now before he goes where I think he's going to go, then I'm probably going to make out really well on that buy. So I think it's just one of those deals where the value is good for me right now. And if you could go get him in one of your leagues, I would encourage you to do so. And worst case scenario, you have to wait a year on him. But I think in a very short time, you can you can definitely be happy with the results that you're going to get from from getting Sam Williams. Yeah, Armstrong has one more year left on his deal with the Cowboys. And, you know, we'll, yep. of course, have to see beyond then. But certainly Williams is a guy that they had got drafted in the second round, 56th overall. So they saw something that they liked out of him, and he did show up this well this past year. Bringing up Parsons, uh, it's kind of interesting because they are about the same size. You know, they have Williams at 6'4", 265, Parsons at 6'3", 245. So, you know, a little bit more muscle on it, but they're both those super athletic guys. Parsons, college was more of a linebacker, and, you know, you can see the difference in that. But I do think a guy like Sam Williams can benefit from having those veterans, whether it be Micah Parsons going into his third year here or uh, Demarcus Lawrence on the other side of the line there if they do decide to move on from Armstrong. So I am very interested in him, and he is someone that I haven't seen go for a whole lot when their trade's going on because he is a guy that you're probably not going to have a breakout year this year. You're just hoping for some improvement, and then maybe if he secures a starting job, he'll have that breakout year for you in year three. But uh, future is bright and should be seeing that next step for him and that uh, really good Cowboys defense. Yeah. And the, I guess the other thing I would point out, because we both kind of touched on Dorrance Armstrong is I think it, he, his game is a lot different from Dorrance Armstrong's the way those two styles of play, those two, I mean, just the profile of the both pl of each player is just completely different. And I think that dynamic is interesting for the Cowboys this year, but um, I think long-term Sam Williams is probably where it's at. Another defensive end here going into year two in the league. He's a guy uh, we actually mentioned last week, too. Um, still recall our conversation on that, or you can go look it up. But George Karloftis of the Kansas City Chiefs, he was a first-round pick, 30th overall to them. And as you brought up last week, he really came on towards the end of the season and in the playoffs. We're not going into like news and notes and all that, but you brought up before the show that uh, looks like Frank Clark is going to be released. So is uh, Carl Loftus, a guy that you're kind of expecting to have a starting role going forward. He is, he is. And with him being only 22, I mean, that's like, you know, we just talked about Sam Williams. He's 24, but Carl Loftus is 22. So, I mean, that is great. Like you have time to wait with him, even if it's not, even if he's not a second year, just absolute breakout candidate, which I think he actually will be. I think he's going to take over the starting duties um, on that Kansas City defense. He's got Chris Jones in the middle to anchor, anchor the middle. Um, got a really good linebacker core, obviously. Uh, you know, Willie Gay there, and then um, you know, just they have they have guys on the back end too. So like, really, Kansas City's defense is pretty solid, um, and I think Karloftis is going to slide in really well. I you know, with him being a pure like hand in the dirt rusher i think what he brings to the table is a good fit for all of the pieces that he has around him um so i'm excited for george karloftis this year obviously as a kansas city fan um was super happy that we got him and just very happy to see him perform the way that he did especially as the year went on so you know going into year two that's that was really encouraging to see yeah he's a guy that he's going to cost you more than sam williams he also 
is, you know, appears to be guaranteed more of a position going forward immediately. And he had better stats. You know, he had more playing time, but he performed better when he played too. So he's the guy that I ended up getting a lot of because I didn't end up with a whole lot of uh, Thibodeau and I didn't end up with a whole lot of Hutchinson or Walker in the leagues where I had rookie drafts. And he kind of fell behind those three. You know, it makes sense with how the draft went for the most part. Uh, but he's a guy that I really liked, and I was super impressed and excited to see that uh, not only end of the season, but playoff run with him, too. Um, he, he truly showed that he could, you know, expand upon just being that power guy that he was in college. And it does appear like he learned a couple things from those guys on the defensive line, which makes his future even brighter. Uh, another guy that, uh, interestingly enough, went 30th overall, but this will be his third year in the league, a guy that I do have a whole lot of all over, uh, Gregory Rousseau. Now, he played in fewer games this past year than he did his rookie year. He played in 17 his rookie year and then 13 this past year, but he ended up with doubling his sacks and ended up with more tackles for a loss, fewer tackles overall, but that would make sense given that you're playing you know, four fewer games than he had played previously. Who's a guy that I wasn't that high on coming out of college for the fact that he really felt like he was just a really raw one trick sort of pony when he was in college. He had that huge blow up year, um, sort of came out of nowhere, then he didn't play a year. He went to a great position, I thought, when he ended up getting drafted by the Bills. You know, the Bills are a veteran team, even a bunch of veterans at that time along that defensive line he could learn from. Like he was an Addison that, you know, moved on this past year. And it seems like he uh, took to it and he uh, expanded on his game and even better for him, I think, long term. They went out and got a guy like Von Miller who he can learn from. And even though Von didn't play a whole lot this year, he looks like he's going to be there for a couple more years anyway. And being able to learn from a pro pass rusher like that and have him across from you, I think is great for his fantasy production. How do you feel about uh, Rousseau for the next few years in Buffalo there? I really liked her so coming out of college and I actually kind of liked him better than, than Jalen Phillips. When I put the tape on Jalen Phillips had some qualities that I did like for sure. Don't get me wrong, but I, there was something that I saw when I watched Greg Rousseau that I was like, man, this guy, he's really explosive and he's really powerful and he's really long. Like he has all the tools that you need and you want from a prospect. And, you know, I think I agree like landing with the Buffalo bills was just, you know, a great spot for him. And then they bring in um, Von Miller and that's, you know, gives, gives him all the help in the world to learn from a veteran like that, like you mentioned um, just, and now he's in his third year. So he's got the experience underneath his belt. Um, you definitely want to see him take that big step in his third year. And it looks like he's going to be locked in for a starting role this year. So uh, definitely a guy that you should probably have on your fantasy rosters. And you could probably even get cheaper than George Karloftis, um, you know, and he's got a starting role just like Karloftis should. So um, he's a he's a fantastic buy. I love I love him making this list for sure. Sort of rounding out a group of defensive ends that we're talking about here to start the year, uh, start off the second year out of Ohio this time. Dominique Robinson. He's a defensive end for the Chicago Bears. He's a Guy that there wasn't a whole lot of buzz on, and he flashed in a couple games. You know, he, he didn't have a huge season this past year as the Bears sort of muddled along, especially on defense there, figuring out what was going on. Uh, he hasn't played a whole lot of football as far as learning the position. He converted to defensive end, so he hasn't played a whole ton of it. 
And he is a very athletic guy, which I like to see for my defensive ends. And he's in a position where I think he can get playing time going forward. Like I said, he flashed this year for the Bears. They've been making some moves already, like Al-Kadeen Muhammad was released, and they're trying to figure out that base defense that they were switching to, figuring out the middle linebacking core. There's a lot of moving parts here with the Bears that we all know. But a young guy, super athletic, that flashed this past year. They're making moves where I think he's going to get more playing time going forward. And the difference with this guy is with that so lower draft capital than compared to the guys we've talked about before. This is a fifth-round pick. We had a second-round pick, a first-round pick, and a first-round pick. Robinson's on waivers in quite a few leagues that I'm in. He's a great taxi stash, I think, right now. Or if you're in a really deep league, you know, a deep bench spot, you might have to trade a super late pick or something, have him as a throw-in in a deal. Uh, but how do you feel about a guy like that where, you know, the risk is probably higher for him, but the value cost to obtain him is lower. Yeah, sub- substantially lower. And like you said, he should be on waivers in a lot of leagues unless you're in a really deep league. And then in that case, I mean, as it stands today, you know, he looks like he could be a good dynasty buy. He is set in the starting role um, on that defense. And um, like you mentioned, it is a defense that could see a lot of changes. Um, it will be interesting to see what they do in the draft defensively. Um, you know, particularly looks like they could need some help at linebacker unless they decide that they want to, you know, stick with what they've got. Um, you know, kind of the same, kind of the same thing, right? On the defensive line. I mean, Justin Jones looks like a really great piece for them. I really like him a lot, but outside of that, they, you know, the Bears look like they could use some help. So um, as long as nothing crazy changes from now until draft day, I think he's in a good position for this season. And like you mentioned before, you know, if you have to acquire him in trade, it uh, should be relatively uh, easy to do, um, not too costly. And otherwise, you know, if you've got a deep enough league and you have room on your bench, you could bring him in from the waivers. And, you know, he's definitely somebody you should be looking at. And to give you an idea about, you know, this time of year, especially with the combine, you hear all the time about, oh, this guy's super athletic and everything. Dominique Robinson, he played quarterback in high school. He transitioned to wide receiver for the first two seasons while he was at college. And 2020 was his first year on defense. So converted wide receiver to a defensive end, you don't see very often. But compared to most other defensive ends, he's going to have a higher athletic profile but he's still learning the position and, you know, there's going to be ups and downs and he may never quite figure it out, but from what he flashed during those games with the bears, when he really turned it up and what I saw, I really liked him. And again, with such a cheap cost, you know, maybe even free, he's a guy that I'm looking at investing in here. Absolutely. All right. So now we're going to get into an interesting group here. We have four guys we're going to talk about that are unrestricted free agents. And the first one we're going to talk about here is Kazir White. He was at the Eagles this past year, previously with the Chargers for four years. He is going to be 27 this year, and he's an unrestricted free agent, so he can you know pick and choose sort of wherever he wants to go. Austin, where do you think a good spot for him to sort of go would be, and what are you expecting out of him going forward here? Well, there's a lot of good spots for him, and I thought that this was a really important year for him um, to to you know keep on building on the performances that he had um, from 2021, and I think that he did just that. I mean, he played really well uh, last year 
Quincy Williams did. And so um, I am interested to see where he lands. Um, I'm not, sh I'm not for certain if the jets will bring him back or will be able to bring him back. I'm not just super in tune with their, um, their, you know, what they have in terms of cap space and things like that, or what he's even going to be asking. Uh, so without getting into the specifics of the contract, I mean, I think that he's a player that should be sought after. I think that he's a player that should find a role on a team. Um, I wouldn't say regardless of where he lands, right? Because, like, he's not – I don't consider him a top 10 linebacker in the league, yeah. maybe. So, I mean, definitely landing spot could be important. I would hate to see him be just a depth piece. I I don't really see him as being that. So I think that wherever he goes, I think that that team is probably going to be very intentional about getting him and having a role for him. And especially because he is going to be asking, you know, the kind of money that he will be. I mean, he's not just going to be free. So uh, when you pay players like that, you give them contracts, like generally there's uh, an anticipation that they're going to find their way to the field and play some meaningful snaps for you. So uh, I really like him. I think that if depending on the cost too, you know, right. So he's a veteran player. He did play well, that could drive up the cost for him. And then depending on his landing spot, when you acquire him, it could get interesting. Yeah. And uh, I had messed up. I had said the wrong name when we were talking about here that Quincy Williams is going to be 26 this year. He had been with the Jaguars his first two years. Jets the second two years, and I do think the Jets are a probable spot where he's going to end up again. C.J. Mosley's getting long in the tooth. I still think C.J. Mosley is going to be a fine linebacker to have both in the NFL and for fantasy. You know, you talk about a guy that might have that, you know, top ten, top twelve potential. C.J. Mosley is always going to be in that conversation just because of the pure number of tackles that he mm -hmm. gets you. But he's going to be like thirty-one, I think, this year, whereas Quincy Williams is going to be twenty-seven most of the NFL season, so a significant difference. And also, his brother's there, Quinn and Williams on the defensive line there. Not always something, you know, a lot of brothers don't get to play with each other and stuff, but when you do have that opportunity, I think that was probably one of the reasons he was interested in staying with the Jets after he had went from Jacksonville and gotten claimed by them uh, two years ago. So Quincy Williams is a guy that I really like there. You know, he does fit well next to C.J. Mosley, and he's gone over. 100 tackles combined both the past two years just in 16 and 15 games with some big plays he's getting you sacks pass deflections tackles for a loss went up he's a guy that can sort of do it all and i was really shocked when the jaguars cut him to be honest mm -hmm. uh, but i think he did find a home here and he's a guy that i have rostered quite a bit myself yep the next guy is the guy that I'd mentioned before. Sorry, Kazir White. He had his first four, first four seasons with the Chargers and then the Eagles this past year. He didn't start as much um, this past year than he did with the Chargers previously. It started all 17 games two years ago. Started 8 out of 17 this past year. Tackles went down, which makes sense, but he still was very productive when he was on the field, despite taking sort of a backseat to TJ Edwards. Both he and Edwards are free agents here. Uh, Edwards, you're not going to be talking about a whole lot specifically tonight, but are you really hopeful that he's going to end up resigning with the Eagles, or do you think that he's going to move on and try to get a bigger contract elsewhere? I don't know. It's interesting. I think the way it works with the contracts and stuff, right? Like, so I think the Eagles are, they're probably going to see some big changes on their rosters, yeah. specifically defensively with um, what they're going to be spending. And it sounds like, you know, obviously they're going to have to pay Jalen Hurts. I don't think that will affect anything they do this year necessarily. Um, but when you look at, 
you know, contracts generally aren't just signed for one year anyways, unless they were to tag him. And I don't think they'll do that. So um, <clears throat> I definitely, one of those guys should probably be kept. I don't know who it would be, or if, if I would be quite honestly, I would be shocked if, if both were gone. Um, and we'll talk about another guy on this list later that could really benefit from that. But I think regardless of what happens for Kazir white, I mean, he has played well for the last two, three seasons. Uh, and I personally think that wherever he goes, he's going to be a big contributor. He will make a big difference on that defense wherever he lands. So he's definitely a guy that I'm still targeting. If I can get him, I don't really know, you know, how, what that cost might be right now. I haven't really tested anything like that with him. Um, again, he's a veteran player, generally veteran players with, you know, a proven history of being productive will typically cost you a little bit more. Um, but he's definitely a, a guy that if you are acquiring him, you, regardless of whether he's an Eagle or whether he's somebody else somewhere else, I think that he's the type of player that you should definitely expect, um, good production out of and, and i would even say like top 15 production um i think that's how well he's played the last two seasons so i think you know if you do if you're able to acquire him i definitely think that you should expect a big return yeah and i would have to imagine he's going to go somewhere to be the starter you know if we kind of thought he would be with the Eagles, but they didn't play as much of just two set linebackers, sort of TJ Edwards, and then they rotated a whole lot. And he's the guy that had been a defensive back his first year in the league, too, in college, and he sort of made the move to linebacker. We've seen that with some other players, you know, more recently Divine Diablo with the Raiders. Uh, the NFL really likes that flexibility in those positions, um, even going back and if you look at it, he had really successful last year with the Chargers. I was surprised he wasn't brought back with them, to be honest. And maybe that's another spot they dip back into because it looks like Drew Tranquil is a free agent. Kenneth Murray, I believe, is a free agent who just hasn't done a whole lot with them. So they're probably looking for some stability in that linebacking core, I would have to think. Um, so Kazir White is another good name that I have in quite a few places. And I'm hoping he gets that starting spot because it was a little bit of a bummer last year seeing him only really start half the season. Yep. And I'm going to jump forward on you just so we're talking about all our linebackers together here. The last sort of unrestricted free agent linebacker that we have here, David Long Jr., uh, formerly of the Tennessee Titans, and maybe still be. We'll see what happens. He had been a sixth round pick. He's going to be 27, turns 27 during the season. He had his best season this past year when he started 12 games, all 12 that he played in. Got up to 86 combined tackles, seven tackles for a loss five pass deflections. Um, so he showed a lot in the passing game coverage wise, which was nice to see. He isn't as big of a name, you know, sort of like we talked about earlier with Dominique Robinson, although he's far eclipsed him. What do you like about David Long that you've seen that has you intrigued depending on where he goes? Well, I think the thing that I've seen is he's gotten better every year in terms of tackles over his last three seasons. And you could almost see it coming at the end of the 2021 season when he really came on strong, that the 2022 campaign would be uh, one that was going to be good. And, and it was. And so <clears throat> I think that, you know, there'll be an opportunity for him to play even more. You know, he didn't play beyond week 13. 
obviously. Uh, but if he's able to be healthy all season, I, I definitely think that he's a player who, you know, again, he's a veteran, 27 years old, um, and he's he's pretty very productive for the Titans. So um, he's definitely a player that I'm intrigued by and would keep an eye on and would definitely listen to offers. Or if I you know saw an opportunity to acquire him, I would certainly be interested for sure. All right, and we are going to move on to our last unrestricted free agent that we're talking about for the night, switching up to a defensive end. He played defensive end for the Cardinals 3-4 defense. Um, some defensive tackle in there too, but mainly a DE. He really started coming on in 2021. He had his best season to date then, and then he improved on that pretty much across the board in 2022. But Zach Allen, of the again, formerly of the Arizona Cardinals anyway, Went from four to five and a half sacks, five to 10 tackles for a loss. Combined tackles stayed about the same, 48 to 47. But he played in fewer games than he did in 2021. So matching that production to fewer games was nice to see. Probably best fits, again, in a similar 3-4 base. We know NFL teams change it up and they don't just stay in one thing. He has that flexibility on the front. Where do you sort of see him topping out at? Like, if you could put him in your ideal situation, Austin, where do you see his production ending up? Is it similar to that 2021, or do you think he can take a step up from there? I think that he can take a step up from there, and I think that one of the I, – I, I'm – I would be really shocked to see the Cardinals move on from him. I really would. I mean, at his age and the fact that, um, you know, JJ Watt just retired. Um, I think that they could count on him to be a key uh, player on that defense. So, I mean, I, I think that he should stay in Arizona. I think that they should re-sign him. I would, I would be very surprised if he was to leave there. So, uh, but yeah, I definitely think he can improve on it. I mean, you look at you know, how he's performed and, um, 2020, 20, 2021 was a good year for him, obviously. Um, but again, he's, he was still very young in the league at that time. You know, he's starting to kind of come into his own. He started to see that this year, um, wish he could have played all season to seeing what his numbers looked like at the end. But, um, you know, I think if he gets another good year under his belt and he's healthy all year, I definitely think that it could be his best one in 2023. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see with the new head coach there, Gannon, uh, what they're going to do with that defense because when this you know past year with the Eagles he mixed it up a lot in terms of his fronts and he liked to rotate guys a lot which is great for those real life players because they get to stay fresh they get to go out there and do what they do best I mean I think you saw a career from Brandon North his highest act so that but at the same time for fantasy it can be a little bit frustrating uh so We'll have to see if he does resign there, if he ends up playing some defensive tackle, there's nothing wrong with that, especially if he gets that DT eligibility in this position specific leagues. Uh, but he is a young guy that has uh, stepped up in production. And I do like him. And he's probably of the guys that we've talked about that have shown production in the league for a year or two, probably the cheapest out of all of them. And one of the less heralded names. So in terms of value cost, it's not going to be nearly the same as you would for a lot of these other guys outside of maybe, maybe David long, but we know linebackers sort of get that glow about them where everyone likes linebackers more than defensive ends, unless you're a Bosa or something. Value cost is really good on Zach Allen. I'll just, I'll just throw it out there. I mean, regardless if he's in Arizona or not, the, the cost versus the value I'm all in. All right. Well, we're going to talk about some linebackers now. 
Um, most of these guys are not outside linebackers, but the first one's going to be first outside linebacker we're talking about is Aziz Ojolari. He's going into his third year with the New York Giants. He uh, did not play as much this past year uh, with some injuries, but his rookie year, he certainly made that big impact with the 49 combined tackles, eight sacks, eight tackles for a loss. He got pretty close to that, even though he only played seven games this past year, five and a half sacks, three tackles for a loss. And of course, they added Kayvon Thibodeau across from him. I know we aren't talking about him tonight, but at their cost, which is probably a little bit higher on Thibodeau compared to Aziz, who do you like out of the two better? Oh, that's tough. I mean, we're talking about Aziz, so I'm supposed to say Aziz, but I do like <laughs> Thibodeau. I really do like Aziz, though. I really I really like him. I mean, I liked him before all that. I think the thing is, is it helps him. I don't think that it hurts him. I mean, it could, um, but I think it helps both players. Like, I think both players benefit from each other just being good. And the Giants' defense, I really, for the last couple of seasons, I've expected – a little more from them, but you can start to see those that those transformations happening where they're starting to become better and better and guys are starting to uh, perform to the level that you'd think that they would. And I really like Aziz coming out of college. I thought they got a really great value on him in the draft. And then his first year he came on and he looked really, really good. Um, so that the, the you know, last season, it was rough. He had some nagging injuries. Obviously he was out for most of the first you know, half or more of the year. Um, he was able to play a few games when he came back, and then um, that was it. It was season was over. So I'd like to see him get 18 games in um, for sure this next season and see what those numbers look like. But I definitely think like he's a 10-sack guy. I mean, he's, he's a guy who can get 10 sacks, I would think, pretty easy in 18 games. Um, and he is going to benefit from uh, Thibodeau coming off the other edge. So um, – Definitely a guy that I am I'm very interested in. I'm I'm hoping that the injury would drive the cost down a little bit. Um, and if it is, I'm definitely taking advantage of that. Yeah, if you're talking about cost wise, I think you have draft capital in Kayvon's favor plus recency bias. He's the guy that we saw towards the end of the season last year, just really coming to his own, just making big splash plays, even if they weren't necessarily sacks, but just running guys down, being that superb athlete that he showed at Oregon and to your point, I do think it helps to have two really good pass rushers across from each other. Both of these guys are going to have to grow more in the league into their role. But you sort of look at Max Crosby, you know, that first year he comes out when he was a fourth round pick, you know, not big name or anything like that. People weren't expecting huge stuff out of him, but he had that amazing rookie year. Then he had sort of two down years compared to that, which, you know, we do see from time to time with sacks going down, tackles for a loss. But then they had Chandler Jones across from him this past year, and he has his best season to date, just blew some of these out of the water. I mean, his tackles went up over 30 combined tackles from his career high before. His sacks went up, tackles for loss went up. I really do believe it helps to have a good guy across from you. Now, that can hurt you game to game because, you know, one of the guys generally is going to get the sack or the other. It can't be both of you. You can split sacks, of course. But for the most part, it's one or the other. So you might have that variance game to game. But if you're talking about over the course of a season, both of those guys benefit being across from each other. And I can certainly see that, unfortunately, being a Cowboys fan, the case for the Giants going forward here, because I do think they have two just great outside 
linebacker talents to go with a very nice defensive front already. That defensive line played superb this year too. Yeah, agreed. We are going to go on to uh, more of inside linebackers here. The first one is going to be third-year player for the Saints, Pete Werner. So he had been a second-round pick out of Ohio State. Uh, played in 15 games, started about half of them his rookie year. Injury bug hit him too this past year, like you just mentioned with Aziz, where he only played in 12 games, started 11 of them, but he still improved upon his numbers. He had 80 combined tackles, three tackles for a loss, three pass deflections, and forced fumbles. Demario Davis, I believe his contract had just gotten restructured, so you know he's going to be around there anyway. He's sort of that old workhorse in the middle, but... Demario is the oldest starting linebacker in the NFL last year, if you look at middle linebackers across the board. Uh, 34 years old, the reason I bring that up, these guys don't last forever. You know, at some point, their bodies wear out on them. They slow down a bit. They don't keep up. not saying that'll be this year, uh, but it certainly could be. We saw some of that slow down last year from Demario Davis towards the end of this season. And Pete Warner feels like the next guy up. You know, they had drafted a guy like Zach Bond, who just didn't pan out the year before him. Pete Warner showed a lot this past year, and it kind of feels like they're going to be moving forward with him as their middle linebacker of the future. Is that the vibe you're getting? It is. It is the vibe I was getting, especially when he started the year last year, um, played, I thought, exceptionally well and appeared to have really solidified his place on that defense. Um, You know, obviously later in the year he had the injury and lost a little bit of time on the field. Um, but again, you know, it's all about these guys just being able to stay healthy, the, the best abilities availability, right? We've said it before. Yep. Um, and, you know, but he his tackle numbers looked good. I was a little concerned with his missed tackle percentage, um, you know, but overall it, it wasn't anything crazy. And I think that, you know, the tackle numbers, I think he had like around 67 tackles. Um, those look good. You'd like to see him be able to get to the quarterback. Um, we'll see what the saints do and how they use him this year. If they're able to, uh, be a little bit more creative with him. Um, I think that would be great, but otherwise I think the floor is there for him. And if he, if you can acquire him cheap enough, the thing is, you know, he's no longer, he doesn't feel like a secret to the IDP community anymore. He's, he's a pretty well-known, uh, commodity. And especially with being just, you know, 24 years old, um, he, sh- he should be one of those guys you probably have to pay a little bit more for. But again, if you can acquire him, maybe from somebody who just doesn't really know like what they have or, you know, just by means of the great thing about IDP is, is unless you're playing in an all IDP league is you can always use some offensive power to acquire quite frankly, anybody you want in IDP, generally speaking. Um, so if you pair him with the right people and you get him in a good trade, um, definitely should be excited about that. So next group of sticking with those middle linebackers, but next group of linebackers we're talking about are all going to be second year guys. So guys that uh, either showed a lot or just showed those flashes to start the year. And first one up is Troy Anderson. He is a linebacker for the Atlanta Falcons. He's out of montana state in the second round super athletic even by nfl standards you know when you look at relative athletic score the guy was just off the charts for linebackers and he did all right he played in all 17 games started five 40 solos 29 assists three tackles for a loss he had some nice games in there when he was filling in for injured guys how are you feeling about troy anderson's spot going forward do you think he secures a starting spot with uh especially rashawn evans i believe is a free agent this year 
Yeah, I I think so. I think this could be the year where he actually actually we actually find out, right? If he's going to be what we think he could be or if the Falcons are just going to be searching for somebody for the middle um in the in the next draft or two. So, it'll be interesting to see what they do with him. I like like agree with you. I like him as an athletic profile, um like his skill set. Um definitely like the opportunity that he should have in Atlanta, you know, with them not really having a whole lot of people outside of him. I mean, Lorenzo Carter, he's getting up there in age. Occasionally he'll break out and make some good plays week to week. Uh Rashawn Evans, um you know, he could be competitive with him in the middle of the field, but um, Troy Anderson should be the go-to guy on that defense this year. Um, and we'll just see what he does with it. Next guy up played even less uh, than Troy did. He didn't start any games, but he did play in all 17. We talked about the Eagles a little bit e- earlier. This is N'Kobe Dean, potential first-round pick leading up to the draft, everyone thought. And then he fell to the third round. By and large, it felt like due to injury concerns. He only had 13 tackles and a tackle for a loss on the season. But when he played, granted, it was you know mostly in garbage time. The Kobe Dean showed why he had that first round grade by a lot of people. The guy was just a beast on the field. His PFF ratings were great. And I do think that they still have a steal. Now, this could be tampered if TJ Edwards, Kazir White, Bobby Wagner, you know, one of these other veterans out there. And there's a lot of them. Avanti David's another name that could come in and take a spot. But I really like what they have with Nicobe Dean. And given the fact that they are going to have some salary cap things to figure out, especially on the offensive side of the ball, like you mentioned, Jalen Hurts contract. I'm really excited still for Nicobe Dean. How are you feeling about him? You're you muted yourself still. Sorry. <laughs> oh, you're good. I think Nicobe Dean could see an opportunity by way of uh, you know, like we talked about earlier, that that cap space issue that they're having. Um, you know, will they will they commit money elsewhere and will they go with the, the rookie, well, second year, I should say, linebacker who is on a rookie contract. And I think that he performed well enough to give the Eagles the confidence to be able to do that, which for the Eagles they have to be happy with, right? So yeah. um, I definitely think that he 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 could take that that step this year. I think if he gets that opportunity, we'll see what they do in the draft. We'll see what they do um, in free agency. I don't think they should draft another linebacker. I would, but they but like to your point, there are a lot of free agent linebackers right now who could find new homes, and it could be a crazy off season, and anything could change. But if he's the starting linebacker going into week one, I'm feeling pretty good about that. And I even like him more than uh, the next guy we have here, uh, Christian Harris, linebacker for the Houston Texans. He played more in terms of starting. He started 11 games out of the 12 he was in. 74 combined tackles, six tackles for a loss of sacks and pass deflections. He showed nicely, you know, he showed nice in college too in Alabama there. Or, yeah, he was Alabama. Get my mm-hmm. guys confused with LSU with the next one. Uh but I'm more excited about Nicobe Dean just because he has a better defense around him. He was able to learn from, I think, better defensive minds, you know, there than whatever the mess the Houston Texans were doing. Uh, how do you feel sort of about Christian Harris in general and then compared to Nicobe Dean? Yeah, it's it's funny because on one hand you could say, um, for instance, we'll get to we'll get to some other guys. We'll get. Well, I'll just throw his name out. We'll get yeah, to him ahead. and we'll talk about him in detail. But Jalen Petrie was a guy whose production was really high, and um, you know, it's like 
was it was it because there's just no one else and maybe maybe christian harris kind of gets that same benefit i'm not really sure it's hard to say if that's a good situation or a bad situation but at the end of the season you can usually tell um, by how productive they were if it was good or bad so i don't know I, i think it's a little bit of both you know we talked earlier about the the giants and their situation how one player helping another and the better defenses around you the more you may benefit from that that is that is true to some degree for sure um I'm not sure. I think it's probably closer to, a closer to 50-50 split than than you think, but I think I I would probably give the edge to Nicobe Dean as long as he is the absolute starter yeah. um, going into week 1. I think that would be the key. If he's in any kind of like, you know, sp- splitting snaps on that defense or or the other thing is like how does he fit in that defense? What direction is that defense going to go? Um, that's another interesting dynamic that I don't really feel as much concern about with Christian Harris. I think with his style of play, he's just more of a natural fit. Um, but we'll see what both players do with it this year. And to uh, round out our second-year linebackers, uh, Damon Clark out of LSU, which I was thinking of, and that's why I was second-guessing myself. He's with the Dallas Cowboys, no, and that's all that matters. Yes, we're talking about another Cowboys player. Uh there was a lot of uh, chatter about whether or not he'd actually play much this year, this past year for the Cowboys. And he did. He played more than I thought he would. He started five games, played in 10 total, 47 combined tackles. Didn't do a whole lot in terms of big plays. You know, he had a couple of them. But the fact that he was a super athlete before he got hurt with injury, which always gives me concern, but then came back from it and still showed that athletic ability and explosiveness as a linebacker for the Cowboys got me excited, one, for that, but then two, this guy that fell to the fifth round that probably should have been a second or third round pick at a minimum if he was healthy kind of feels like a steal not only for Cowboys, but then IDP managers too because they got those question marks. Guy falls to the fifth round, doesn't garner as much in middle linebacker, so to speak, person not being really a middle linebacker for the Cowboys this next year. Yeah. So to answer the question, uh, the answer is yes. Damone Clark, uh, he should he should be on the field for the Cowboys next year. I would love to see it. And I'll tell you why is, you know, the athletic profile is one thing. Like he showed to be really fast and have a really great athletic profile for sure. But I think the other thing that he did well was, you know, his tackling was was really good. His, his missed tackle percentage was really low. A lot of times you'll see these guys that can just fly around the field and they're very good at that. And then you know, the athletic profile jumps off the page, but they don't really do a whole lot of other things well. One thing I saw from him was that he did a lot of the other things really well when he was on the field. And so I think that he should be able to find the field again this year. I'm really hopeful that he will be. And he could be a very good steal for the Cowboys. Absolutely. I agree with that. And like you said earlier, he's not a marquee name necessarily right now. Um, if you're able to get in on him early and, and grab him and, and make a trade for him or even even grab him off waivers and stash him, depending on how deep your league is, I think you'd do really well to do that. At least give it a shot. All right. Well, we're going to move on from the second-year linebackers to a guy that uh, I believe the veteran or close to it of this group here. But either way, these next two guys have been in the league the longest out of anyone we've talked to. So they're up there in age two comparatively. Both of them are going to be 27. We'll start off with Harold Landry. going to be his fifth year with the Titans. He's got a contract with them for up to three more years. He did not play last year, but when you look at his 2021 
It, that was his breakout, really. 12 sacks, 75 combined tackles, 14 tackles for a loss. Austin, do you think he can get him at a discount because he missed that full year last year? I think you should be able to. I don't know that I would expect him to return to the same production that he had in 2021. Um, I would be surprised to see that kind of production again. I mean, I think what he did that year was well beyond anything he's done any other year. Um, But you you can certainly hope for it. Um, It would just depend on the cost for me. I mean, uh, you know, at this stage, what is he? Uh, Twenty. He's going to be twenty-seven for most of the season, so yep. not necessarily old. Um, but um, he's experienced, and he's got a lot of years with the Titans. And you know, I guess the good thing is, like, he should be pretty comfortable in that defense. Um, the only thing is, I don't know long term. You know, he's got a, you know three more years on his deal with them, but you're going to see the Titans kind of start to try to do some different things. Um, yeah, already hearing rumors about maybe them moving on from Derrick Henry on the offensive side. Um, anything can change with contracts, um, especially for a guy that's 27, having three more years on his deal. I don't imagine that those last three years are going to be super team friendly. So, you know, we'll see what happens there. But um, for this year, at least, I mean, I think he, he could be a, a good dynasty buy just for the simple fact that, you know, he is coming off a big injury. He didn't play at all last year, and people may have just kind of forgot about Harold Landry. So if he's able to even return to, you know, 60 80% of his production from 2021, I think that you should get a good return on investment. Second guy here that we're talking about that uh, been in the league a little bit longer, this is going to be the sixth year for Zaire Franklin in the NFL, linebacker with the Colts got two more cheap years of note left with the Colts and he really showed this past year uh, sort of why they kept him around you talk about a breakout Uh, you know Zaire played in pretty much every game didn't really start many until 2021 but over the course of his tenure with them played in pretty much every game had 40 combined tackles in 2021 for a high but then this past year with Shaq Leonard being out he just blew this out of the water 167 combined tackles and that's with Bobby Okariki also going over 100 combined tackles uh, so they had two great guys there Bobby Okariki is a free agent and he'll probably move on given they still have Leonard under contract and Zaire Franklin here do you expect him to be the one of the starters this next year and sort of where do you think he tops out I mean did we see his ceiling in terms of production this past year it's interesting. I would like to see him have a starting role on that defense. I think that he should. I think that he deserves that opportunity after the way that he stepped up last year and played uh, in the absence of Shaq uh, Leonard. So, uh, you know, and currently, I mean, they have him, they have him listed as a starter. So I think as long as it remains that way, he's the kind of player that I, I personally just like, you know, he's an underdog. He stepped up, he performed in a big way. Um, he, he doesn't strike me as the kind of player that's going to hold out and ask for more money just because he had one productive year. Um, so it's good for him. It's good for the the Colts as long as he's on the field. Um, both parties should be really happy. And, um, you know, Zaire Franklin played exceptionally well last year, like you mentioned. So um, with as well as he played, I, I foresee him being a starter again this year. I don't know what that cost would be. You know, kind of we just talked about Harold Landry and how he was out for the season. People kind of forgot you know, about him maybe, and might be able to get a little discount on him for that. And Zaire Franklin is kind of the opposite effect, right? Like, I don't know. I don't know what that cost would be for a guy that's coming off a year with that kind of production. 
Um, I'd be curious to see what it is. Um, and quite honestly, if it, you know, it could be a little bit too rich for me. Um, but I think that the way he performed last year, as long as he's able to keep that up, I mean, you're in for a really good productive linebacker if you, if you're able to acquire him. Yeah. And we still don't really know about Shaq Leonard, what his health situation is going to be. You know, there's a lot of talk that he was going to be fine going into the season. Then he had surgery and he wasn't, then was he going to be out for five games, 10 games? You know, it was just a whole mess with that. So we're going to, have to see how that plays out, but they do know they have one productive linebacker under contract. And you talk about, you know, acquisition cost. He probably does still cost less than Harold Landry, given that they're about the same age. Landry has a longer history of production. Franklin was the seventh-round pick that didn't do anything until last year. Knowing they still have Leonard there, there probably are some managers that are a little bit skeptical of what his role is going to be. But we've seen two linebackers there. We've seen Okariki and Leonard be productive, Okariki and Franklin now be productive. So even if he is sort of the second banana, if you will, he should be able to have production there if he's a starter. Yep. All right. We're going to get into a set of defensive backs and i think these are all going nope they're not i'd lied they're not all going into their second year we got two of them going into their second year one going into the third year but we are going to start with richie grant he is going into his third year with the atlanta falcons his first year was a throwaway year it was a big mess on how they used him they played him at cornerback a ton after being one of the top safeties in the draft over at roto heat we were really excited about him and i know austin uh, was one of the main guys just Thumping the table for him. This past year, he surprised me when I went back and actually looked at the stats that he had because I didn't remember him performing that well. But 123 combined tackles, 70 of those are solos, which is huge for a defensive back. Three tackles for a loss, seven pass deflections, a couple interceptions. So he was going all over the place. He's probably moved up quite steadily across most people's defensive back ratings for Dynasty. What are you comfortable paying for a guy like Richie Grant, Austin? Oh, Man, so it really just depends on the format. Obviously, you know, if it's a tackle-heavy league, um, Richie Grant is the kind of player who he's not afraid of contact. It was one of my favorite, you know, things about him coming out of college was, you know, his uh, desire to just bring bring the wood. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I would treat him as – I would treat him probably as a top – Give him in your like top tier, yeah. Top yeah, 12. probably top 12. Um, I would almost say like top 10, but then I'd be like, well, what if I'm forgetting people? I would say like top 12. <laughs> that always happens to me where I'm like, yep. yeah, top 10. And then people are like, wait, how? Um, but yeah, I would say top 10 to 12. I mean, he played exceptionally well last season and he should be treated as such. And he is, you know, he's going to be 26 this year, which, you know, we're going to talk about a couple other guys who, you know, he's got some years on him, but um, in his third year with the Falcons, he should be locked in for the starting role. No questions asked. He should be productive, continue to be productive. And, uh, you know, his ability to play all over the field, you look at, you know, where he's taking snaps. He's, I mean, he took 279 snaps from in the box and then um, 466 from uh, free safety and then 254 at slot. I mean, he's really, he can be played anywhere. His coverage skills are great. His ability to tackle is good. Um, he he's all over the place. So for me, he is a dynasty buy. Um, I would probably, yeah, I mean, I would just say treat him like a top 12 safety defensive back. And um, depending on how your league trades, you know, that that's kind of how I would value him. 
This next guy would not be in your top 12 or so, but I did my own dynasty rankings, and I think I have him sort of in the, the bottom part of my next 12. Andre Sisco for the Jacksonville Jaguars. He was out of Syracuse, drafted in the third round in 2021, and ended up seeing a, a nothing year for him. But I'm really not holding that against him because uh, 2021 was a nothing year for the Jaguars in general, if we're being honest, in that Urban Meyer mess that they had. Uh, but the second year here, he played in 15 games. He started all of them. He had 10 pass deflections, three interceptions. He got a sack, tackle for a loss, 73 combined tackles, which, of course, isn't nearly what we saw out of Richie Grant or even the next guy that we're going to talk about. But the one thing that I really liked about Andre Cisco coming out, he proved this past year too, he's a ball hawk. He is just always around the ball itself. You know, when it's in the air, he just has a knack for it. There's some guys like that. If you can identify it, Tyron Matthew was another one in college, you know, the honey badger, different animal there than Cisco, but still just always around the ball, making a play on the ball. There's, there's some, intangible that some guys have and to me cisco has it in uh, the nfl here too from what i saw out of him now i know you liked him too how are you feeling about andre cisco going into year three with that up-and-coming jaguars team i thought the second year was really encouraging i was so disappointed the first year i was a yep. huge uh a huge advocate for andre cisco coming out of college into the nfl uh, there were so many things that just jumped out uh, at me when I was watching the film. And one of the things was just, you know, obviously, like you mentioned, the ball hawking. Um, he he has a knack for finding the ball. He has a knack for making plays on the ball um, from different positions on the field. And I love that he's able to play in the box and make big tackles. I mean, he's got the frame to do it. So I'm I'm a huge Cisco fan. I always have been big Cisco fan. Um, and I think his third year, he could take another step, even from his second year. The second year was, you know, definitely a improvement and very encouraging. But I think there's still room for him to grow and room for him to improve heading into his third season, for sure. So we sort of went, uh, if you're talking about rankings, we were up here somewhere with Richie Grant. Went down a little bit for probably Cisco, and now we're going way back up on uh, Austin's rankings, I'm sure, here for safeties. Jalen Petrie, you probably heard us talk about him last week, but if not, please go check it out over at Roto Heat's YouTube channel. Hit like on the video, subscribe, all that, so you can see us every Monday night. But Jalen Petrie, there's not much to say that we didn't say last week. 147 combined tackles. He was way up there for defensive backs. He might have been the number one for your league, depending on how you score it. Uh, led the Texans in tackles, I believe. 99 solos, which is just fantastic, too. We'll see a lot of assists out of DBs quite often. And he made plays on the ball. Five interceptions, eight pass deflections, five tackles for a loss. Take it away, Austin. Like, How high are you putting this guy up in your safety rankings? Well, he's definitely top ten. <laughs> especially in dynasty with his age. I mean, uh, this kid's 24 years old and he looked really good coming out of Baylor. Um, I wasn't sure how it would go in Houston, but was really encouraged by it. And again, you know, was his production a, a byproduct of just having quite frankly, no one else on that roster who could generate any kind of real production maybe, but you know, to that point, I would say that, uh, those kinds of problems don't just solve themselves overnight. So he, yeah. he could be a second year player who's going to once again benefit from that. Um, and you know what? I'll take it. 
I, I will take it. I, I love that he's getting those quality snaps. I love that he's able to get that kind of production. And, you know, a guy that young and who's getting that kind of opportunity and, and then producing like he is, I mean, that's that's huge for like long term sustainability, I think. So um, not not a lot of young guys get that exposure and that experience. So uh, him having that, I think, is really big. And, I, you know, as I've said before, and I'll say over and over and over again, I, I like Jalen Petrie a lot. Um, the acquisition cost. I don't know, man. You, <laughs> I don't know. You probably better come with some good offers. Um, but if you're able to acquire him, I definitely think that he's, he's somebody who you should be able to count on, on your defense, um, to be productive year in and year out for a long time. Yeah. He's probably not up there. Like, you know, if you're talking Derwin James, Buda Baker type of level of payment, just because it's one yes. year. And yep. he wasn't as heralded as those guys coming out, but certainly he could end up being someone up there. And if he has anything close to a repeat season this next year, he's going to be right up there with those guys in terms of most people's rankings. Yep. We got one more guy here for you out of our 20. Of course, we can't uh, go a week without talking about some defensive tackle of some sort. And it's a guy that I was really excited about after his rookie year. Didn't do as much large part because of the injury this past year. It's Christian Barmore of the New England Patriots. He was a 38th overall pick in 21, and he had a nice season. He played quite a bit, which is unusual for Bill Belichick teams. Uh, Belichick, especially on that defense, is not just throwing rookies in all over the place. And maybe he's changed a little bit as he's gotten older here because the past couple of years he's been playing some rookies. Um, but this past year he had more sacks almost the same tackles for a loss, but he played in seven fewer games. This really is more of a defensive tackle specific play. If you're in those leagues, if you're in a straight, just defensive line, really don't need to be paying a whole lot of attention to Barmore at the moment, other than just keeping that name back in your file cabinet in case he ends up exploding here. Uh, but if, if you're in a defensive tackle specific league, how do you feel about uh, acquiring Christian Barmore, Austin? Definitely like what he showed. Um, so far, it's interesting. The Patriots, I mean, there's a couple of Patriots that I like, and neither one of them, I don't think, are um, defensive tackles. Uh, you know, Matthew Judon and Josh Uche. Uche is more of a linebacker. Two edge guys, um, yep. yeah. Yeah, um, I really like them. Um, I don't know. It's interesting. I mean, Barmore brings good size and athleticism, really, for his size um, in the middle of the field. Um, but I would expect to see a lot of rotation um, for him. I would, I think that you're going to continue to see that even when, even if he is healthy all season long, you're going to continue to see him kind of rotate in and out. Um, they're going to try to keep him fresh. I think um, that's just kind of how the Patriots seem to roll. It seems like so. Um, I mean, if you're in a defensive tackle specifically, yeah, he gets a big boost for sure, especially because he's young. And there's not a whole lot of guys at 24 years old who I feel like you can point to and say, you know, at the defensive tackle position that you can count on week to week. Yep. Um, but he does, you know, he does actually have that. So he's actually one of the guys that if you asked me to point to one, he probably would be in like the top three of guys who I could probably point to and go, yeah, that's probably somebody I would be, be confident rolling with. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I like him. Uh, what What do you think? His acquisition cost, like we've talked about several times tonight, isn't going to be very high just because he doesn't have crazy high production and he was injured last year. 
But talking about his athletic ability coming out of Alabama, I mean, that's the reason that the guy was almost a first-round pick for a man his size. And I know we see this, especially this time of the year, combine time all the time with some of these guys. But it translated onto the field where Barmore didn't play a ton at Alabama. But he, when he was on the field, even for that level of defense, for that big of a guy, his athletic ability was super high. And the Patriots, you're right, they do like to rotate guys a lot. I think the big thing that made me think we might have something different here is, you know, how high he got drafted by Belichick and then he got playing time right away, which, you know, again, going back to 2021, wasn't that big of a, it was that big of a surprise rather where Belichick just doesn't do that with rookies that often. So I was excited about it. I still am. His acquisition cost is clearly lower at this point than it was going into this point last year. So if I can get him for a throw-in or a late-round draft pick in the defensive tackle required league because someone has given up on him or just wants a free roster spot, I'm all in at that point. But, yeah, you're not paying third or fourth-round pick for him right now. Right. And that ends our 20 names of guys that we are looking at for having dynasty buys in IDP leagues, sort of it. Thanks for the questions, and thanks for tuning in, everyone. Again, this was... Episode 2, Season 3 of the IDP Heat Seekers over on Roto Heat's YouTube channel. Make sure you hit like and subscribe. If you have not, drop some questions, drop some comments. You can find all of our written content over at rotoheat.com. Appreciate you tuning in. Austin, any final words for everyone? No, I don't think so. I mean, just tune in next week. Um, you guys are lucky. You guys get Brad back. You don't have to listen to me anymore. Um, <laughs> be a great show for sure. Um and thanks everybody for tuning in as always. You know, I know we say it every week. We just appreciate all of the people who tune in, um, all the people who follow our channel and subscribe um, to all of our content on Roto Heat. Um, and then we'll see you next week. Yep. The IDP Heat Seekers is a proud member of the Roto Heat family of podcasts. Find more content on Dynasty, Redraft, Devi, and more at rotoheat.com.